Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this sixth Sunday of Easter, as we approach the great feast of Pentecost, give us a sort of foretaste of the Holy Spirit. It's as though the church is teasing us a little bit, getting us ready for the feast of the Spirit. I mentioned, I think, before many times that the Holy Spirit, at least in the Western church, is sometimes the most overlooked of the three persons of the Trinity. That's too bad, really, because the New Testament has an awful lot to say about the Holy Spirit and his characteristic activities. In the economy of salvation... The Spirit is the divine power at work and active in the church. Let me say that again. In the economy of salvation. So from all eternity, the Spirit's the love between the Father and the Son. That's true. But in the economy, the external activity of God, the Spirit is that divine power at work and active in the church. Each of our readings today gives us a sense of what this looks like. There are five things I'm going to say about the activity of the Holy Spirit. Let's look first at the first reading taken from the Acts of the Apostles. We hear of Philip, who had come to Samaria because he'd been chased out of Jerusalem. Now, this is a very interesting thing, and let me just take a few minutes to talk about it. You know when bad things happen to you? When your plans are foiled, things don't go the way you want, things look like a disaster on the surface, what might God be doing? See, why does Philip go to Samaria? He goes because of the first great persecution of the church in Jerusalem. Well, that was a calamity, and indeed it was. The church being aggressively attacked. Well, because of that, Philip fled to Samaria, and he thereby became one of the first great missionaries in the church the prototype of all those who would come after him. So don't be too quick to say, oh, this is a disaster what's happening to me. You don't know what God is making possible for you. Okay. Once Philip gets to Samaria, we hear that he proclaimed Christ to them. That's a great word. He proclaimed Christ. Didn't keep Christ to himself. He didn't hem and haw. He didn't rest in the easy assumption that questions are more important than answers. No, no. He proclaimed Jesus as Christ publicly. One of the marks of the Holy Spirit, the first one I'll talk about today, is the prompting to bold speech from the apostles through the great evangelists and theologians, up to Billy Graham and John Paul II, the Spirit prompts people to confess the Lordship of Jesus. Remember St. Paul said, no one can call Jesus Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That's what he means. The Spirit prompts you to this great confession. 
Oh, I know, I know. You're thinking, how embarrassing, all this evangelization, wearing your religion on your sleeve. Oh, it's, you don't do that kind of stuff publicly. Well, that's our etiquette. But it's not the etiquette of the Holy Spirit. Bold speech is a sign the Spirit's operating in you. Secondly, we hear that the people attended to Philip not only because of his bold speech, but because of the amazing things he was doing. Listen. For unclean spirits, crying out in a loud voice, came out of many possessed people, and many paralyzed or crippled people were cured. Now, that should sound familiar from the life and ministry of Jesus. He was a healer from the very beginning of his public ministry to the end. And up and down the centuries, this seems to be a mark of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I know this sounds absurd. It sounds even bizarre in our cultural context. But the Holy Spirit seems to allow people to perform great and miraculous signs. This sounds weird in our scientifically tinged culture, our pragmatically oriented world. But throughout the ages, and very much to the present day, there are signs that the Holy Spirit still works in this way. Can I suggest, too, that the charism of healing seems to be a special mark of the Holy Spirit? Think of Lourdes just for a moment. That great outpouring of God's healing spirit. Think of it especially when, as in this case of Philip, especially when the church is being proclaimed for the first time, especially when it's moving for the first time into a new missionary area, that we see these signs. By the way, look in those places in the world today where the Christian churches are burgeoning, where the faith is being proclaimed. You will see plenty of these signs, these miraculous signs of the Holy Spirit. You know, one reason why we might not see these is that we're blocked to them. We block ourselves. That's not possible. God doesn't work that way. Remember, Jesus couldn't heal certain people because of their lack of faith. Well, so it goes with us. If we have no conduit for the Spirit, it can't flow through us. Third quality of the Holy Spirit, also we hear about it in this first reading. It says, there was great joy in that city. Some translations, the joy there reached a fever pitch. That's terrific, isn't it? Philip comes, he boldly proclaims Jesus Christ is Lord. He allows the Spirit to flow through him in a miraculous way. And the end result is joy. Joy has been described as the flag of the Holy Spirit. It's the sign the Holy Spirit's dwelling in somebody. Their joy. Well, you see it up and down the centuries in the lives of the great saints. I'm not insinuating he was a saint necessarily, who knows, but I've been reading a lot recently about William F. Buckley, the great political commentator who just died a few weeks ago. And a lot of his friends are chiming in about his sterling qualities and attributes. But one characteristic that all his admirers pointed out was his joy and his good humor. You might not sense that with William F. Buckley watching some of his, his programs, which are very serious. But they say you couldn't be around him for more than a few minutes 
without hearing very joyous and raucous laughter. I think of my friend, uh, Father Paul Murray, the great Dominican spiritual writer and preacher. You can't be with Paul Murray for more than 45 seconds without gales of laughter breaking out. Joy, joy, joy is one of the marks of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's move to the second reading for the next characteristic of the Spirit. It's from the first letter of Peter, and it contains this rather extraordinary exhortation. Always be ready, Peter says, to give an explanation to anyone who asks for a reason for your hope. Let me say that again. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for the reason for your hope. Be ready always to apologize for your faith. Now, I know that word's a bit ambiguous. I don't mean to make excuses for your faith. I mean apologon, to bring a word to your faith. That it's not just a faith that you experience internally. It's a faith you are able to speak about and articulate to others. Peter's telling us it's not enough to have the faith. You've got to be in a position to defend it to propagate it, to explain it to others when they ask. Now, I know this is a very difficult thing. Because we live in this very privatized religious culture, well, religion's your little thing. It's your little light that you cultivate. But even to talk about it publicly is kind of bad form. That a lot of us have lost the capacity properly to apologize for the faith. Let me ask you, and I'll be honest. If someone asks you a direct question about the faith, do you feel confident that you can give a good, convincing, compelling answer? If someone challenges the faith, let's say a, a Protestant who is, is very uneasy with some tenet of Catholic doctrine, maybe someone who just thinks religion is crazy, are you able to apologize, to defend, to propagate the faith? One of the marks of the Holy Spirit is precisely this willingness, this capacity. Uh, look at the Holy Spirit in someone like Augustine, someone like Thomas Aquinas, someone like Joseph Ratzinger, our present Pope. There you see this gift on rather magnificent display, but it should be present in every baptized person. One of my concerns is in the post-conciliar years, we compromised, to some degree, our catechesis, our theology, turning away from our own rich theological tradition and turning to the slogans and convictions of the popular culture. But friends, this will never do in the Church of the Holy Spirit. It's repugnant to the movement and purpose of the Spirit. So study, think, read, argue, Learn how to meet objections to the faith. Enter into the lively give and take of argument and discussion. Now, again, I know it runs counter to our, our instincts, but the Holy Spirit is not a private agent. He's a public agent. Finally and fifthly, we see in our gospel reading that the Holy Spirit's principal and most powerful sign is love. And so we hear about 
bold public speech. We hear about amazing signs. We hear about joy. We hear about bringing a word to the faith. But now, the deepest principle and most powerful sign of the Holy Spirit is love. Why do we know that? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the love that connects the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the love that's breathed back and forth. Spiritus Sanctus means the holy breath that's breathed back and forth between the Father and the Son. The Gospel tells us about this extraordinary speech Jesus gave the night before he died. He gathered there with his friends in the upper room and he told them the deepest truths there are. Truths concerning the structuring elements of reality. He spoke in a word of himself, of his father, and of a paraclete that they would send. That's the Holy Spirit. The love that connects the father and the son. Listen now as the Lord speaks. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me, and whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. You see how love now becomes the mark of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Father and I will send to you this love that connects us, and then you will become on fire with that same love. Joy, public speech, miraculous acts, apologetic speech, and above all, love, the great marks that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. Reflect on these, friends, as we come close to the great feast of the Holy Spirit, the Feast of Pentecost. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.